Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. This season is all about intentional comfort, and we'll be taking a look at the crossroads of the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to bring more comfort and joy to your everyday. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 303 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I am so excited to have Stacia Savasic back for a second interview. She is, of course, the powerhouse behind Stacia's Style School, The Revolution, and Wear Our Word. These are all programs that she's created that help women find inside-out congruency, which basically means defining how you want to feel and then finding the clothes to wear that match that feeling that you want to put forth in the world and for yourself. I can't wait to have her on. So before we get to the interview, I want to wish you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in this week to Jumpstart Your Joy. Of course, if you want to find out anything about the show or about myself or listen to 302 past episodes, uh, you can find everything you need to know over at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. And while you're there, you can find a link to purchase my book, which came out this year, Jumpstart Your Joy, Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle. Or you could also sign up for my newsletter where you'll get a nudge about every week when new episodes come out, along with some joyful observations. I hope you'll sign up. I am so excited to have Stacia come back for a second interview and talk about how the last couple of years have been for her. She's made some radical changes in her own relationships with her husband. She talks about the Bell Hooks book, All About Love, and how learning the art of self-regulation or working on self-regulation has added a new layer to how she approaches things when she feels triggered, which I think is such a helpful thing and ties in so beautifully to what we've been talking about this season, which is all about intentional comfort. How do we build in those things that nurture ourselves and nourish us, um, especially after having been through the last couple years that have been super hard? So I think you're really going to love that part about self-regulation. We also talk about how society and the culture that we live in has set us up, especially as women, to think that we have to wear certain clothes or look a certain way or, you know, that perhaps there's somehow a perfect body type. And we're going to talk about all of this because Stacia likes to call all of this into question and encourage women to live from a place of inside out congruency. So first identifying those feelings that you want to have about yourself and share with the world. And then how do you dress to feel that? And she's going to unpack that. I just love her approach on this because it's so different than anything you'll hear in other style schools or from any other style advisors. Stacia takes us from a heart-centered approach in a brand new, really super fresh way. And I'm super excited to have her on today, especially because she is about to launch her Wear Our Word workshop, or WOW, as she likes to call it. And in it, she's going to teach us how to wear your word of the year, which of course so many of us like to choose, or maybe a word of the year chooses us. But she's also going to talk about how you can wear it every day so it you can keep it close and stay in integrity with that word all year long. So welcome to the show, Stacia. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit before we jump into the the goodies of the show, but Mm -hmm. what has brought you joy in the last maybe 18 months? Like what's some pandemic joy you've seen? I was thinking about this before before we jumped on. And the thing that I kept coming back to, it's a little bit cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's just true. 
So it was actually the beginning of 2020 that I read this book by Bell Hooks. I don't know if you read it, All About Love. And in the book, she says that love is not just a feeling, love is an action. And that right there, that knowing, that understanding, that like brain explosion of you just sit and wait to feel loving feelings is like, that's not the way it works. You actually have to do something to be in a loving relationship with yourself or with other people. So the reason why I would say this has brought me so much joy is it happened. I was reading this book right at about the time my marriage was falling apart. It was it was ugly. It was, you know, those like sitting on the floor, hyperventilating in fetal pits. Like it was really like, it was really coming to an end. And then I read the book and then I asked my husband to read the book. And so what we both learned is that we had these really juvenile, like young kid definitions of we got married in our twenties, right? So we thought love was what we thought it was in our twenties. And now you know, we've been married 20 years and it's been, it's not what we thought. It's much more grown up and sophisticated. And it's not just this thing that sort of bites you in the ass. You have to actually work for it. And that has been really, really powerful. And it's been this understanding that I have to take response. I am responsible. If I want to feel love, I'm responsible for doing things that feel loving to myself. And so with that perspective and me every I, on my phone screensaver it says self love is an action right because it's become such this it's it's this thing i need to remember all the time and when i can take a few minutes to show love to myself to show love to my kids to the people in my communities to my husband it brings me so much joy yeah. as opposed to just waiting for the good feelings to come I actually can create them. What? Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm just soaking all of it up because I actually bought that book. It's right over there after I saw you talk about it on Instagram. And I haven't opened it yet. So maybe that'll be my kind of over the holiday break uh, treat. Because, yeah, I think it's interesting because there's a song about love isn't something that we have. It's something that we do. And I think it is so amazing because it ties into joy so closely that we could just wait for those joyous moments to hit. But we can also actively choose to go create them or find them or share them with someone else or create joy for someone else that then in turn will also bring us joy. And I think it's just, I think we're not taught this well. I think all the fantastical definitions that we learn about love are through these, you know, these love stories, passion and you know what I mean? And everything's just magic. And it's like, yeah, but what about the commitment and the trust and the responsibility? Those aren't sexy words. You know what I mean? So it's really understanding that these feelings of love and these feelings of joy sometimes are hard fought, hard won, right? Mm -hmm. And it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. We're worth it. Our people are worth it. Despite the last couple of years being really, really hard, being able to understand that love is an action, which in turn says love is a choice. And feeling love is a choice. That's been a real game changer for me. Like a real deep, real deep game changer. And just those little moments, like every time I pick up my phone and I go, oh yeah, love is an action. Oh yeah. Okay. 
And then yeah. I go, I'm going to go to the bathroom because I actually have to pee. And that brings me joy because I'm doing something loving to myself as opposed to sitting at my desk having to pee for five hours, which I've done. And these are like unkind gestures that don't make us feel good. But if I look, sure. look at my phone, I go, love is an action. You know what? I could use some water. I'm a little hungry. I'm going to go have a snack. I'm going to go stand outside for five minutes. I'm going to spritz my face with my little rose spray. Mm. And so it's this reminder that love is an action. And there are all these little tiny things that I can do that feel loving toward myself. And then I go, mm, right? Yeah. Like love is joyful. It is. You, yeah. Well, and along those same, like I realized like I could cram in a bunch of work right ahead of us talking or I'm like, what I really want is a shower. Like mm-hmm. I just need to be in some hot water and like take mm-hmm. some time. So yeah. that's where I, that's where I headed. And yeah, I think actually some of that was inspired too by the book that you recommended for the next book club. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not giving things away, but self-compassion by Kristen Neff. Cause I was yeah. like, here we go. Let's just take a moment yeah. um, and, and yeah. do this. Cause it feels right. And it feels good and it's like the caring thing to do instead of the let's push through kind of energy that really works that well so will you tell us a little bit about uh because I want people to understand kind of the the work I I don't know that's really the (laughs) because there's so much joy in everything you do it it seems like it's you know it's more than work but what is the work that you do in the world around inside out congruency and style school and what's kind of that through line and how can people better understand inside out congruency Mm -hmm. So inside of congruency is the idea that it's the like, who are you on the inside? Like the depth of who you are, not the, not your roles, not, not the things you're supposed to do. Like not, not that stuff, but like soul fire, your essence, your truth, that golden nugget that lives inside of you. That is all the best parts of you that, and then taking that, well, one, recognizing that you've got that. Because I think we can get so wrapped up in the shame and blame of all of our things that we think are wrong about us and we hate our bodies and we're, you know, all the nasty things we say about ourselves. But recognizing that there is this beautiful nugget of truth and beauty and wisdom inside of you, being courageous enough to say, yes, I believe that exists inside of me, and then being wicked courageous and saying, I want to tap into that every single day. I want to feel, I want to feel, I want to connect myself to that feeling, that knowing, that truth every single day. And then I want to reflect it on the outside, right? And then I teach style school, right? So the the thing, like the, the wormhole, the back door, the gateway to connecting to self, you know, I'm going to put that in quotes, for me has been the way that I show up in the world and it's through the way that I dress. It takes guts. It takes courage to say, I am fierce. I'm bold. I'm vibrant. I'm alive. I'm smart. I'm clever. I'm scrappy. Whatever words that you think embody or encapsulate or describe the essence of who you are, and then get dressed in a way that connects you to those feelings and then other people see it, you just raise your own bar. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm smart and I'm this and I'm that. And it's that's scary <laughs> sometimes when we're so used to not feeling like we're enough. Yeah. 
Mm. When we're used to hiding our bodies because we don't think our bodies are tall enough or thin enough or whatever enough, when we think that we're too much or conversely, not enough, right? So it's, we're so overwhelmed by society's expectations of who it thinks we should be that we conform and we try and we put on these costumes and we do what we think we're supposed to do. And it all feels weird and it never feels authentic or my word congruent. And it's just, you're, you're living a lie. I, that's, this was me until I was 40, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would get dressed in a way that I would hope would make me fit in so that I could just kind of be part of the, like, don't want to stand out. Don't want anybody to know who I am. You know, that if I'm not brave, if I don't look brave, if I, then I don't have to be brave. I can just stay quiet in my little corner and stay invisible. Yeah. And so the shift for me, so this whole concept of inside out congruency is who are you on the inside and how do you, how can you reflect that on the outside? I think I said that backwards. Did I say that backwards? Who are you on the inside and how do you reflect that on the outside? So it's making it matchy-matchy from the inside out. And that takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage. And so my work is really around inside-out congruency. So we do a lot of work with our clothes in our closets, right? But it's not about the clothes. It's It's not about the clothes. Because when you're like, I've always loved mini skirts and crop tops. And then I'm like, great, put it on. And you're like, oh, heck no, I'm not wearing that in public. What will people think? Right? Like, it's like, oh, I've always admired people that can get a- get away with red lipstick. Go ahead and try it. How about big earrings? Give it a whirl. I can't wear scarves. Why not? You have a neck? Go for it. We're terrified of the fashion police, which don't actually exist. We're terrified of what will people think. We're terrified of being noticed. We're terrified of doing something different than we've done it before because you know what? People will notice. When I went from wearing oversized beige yoga pants and oversized everything in, you know, sort of bad colors that I didn't like, things that didn't fit me, when I went from that to wearing like mini dresses to preschool, people noticed. And I put a lot of like the, the old eyeballs up and down your body that like, mm-hmm, like, who does she think she is? You know, I would get that all the time. People would make comments. Where are you going today? What event? Are you? It's like, oh, nothing. Just dressing up because it feels yeah. good. I'm just right? wearing these sequins to the dollar store, you know? Yes. So it just takes, it takes courage to show up in a way that people notice because people do say things. People do notice. People make comments and none of it has to do with you. We know that, right? In our cognitive brains. But when somebody says something, we feel that threat in our bodies and it does feel scary, right? So you have to build up the capacity to be able to navigate that. And so it's a practice. It's a slow and steady practice of flexing your brave muscle. And that's my work. And I love working with women who are just afraid, you know, of showing up and maybe they have arm shame or leg shame or butt shame or belly shame. I mean, everybody is ashamed of something. And it's unbelievable to me that I'm like, you have earlobe shame. I didn't even know that was a thing, right? Like we can find something to be ashamed of. It's unbelievable. So there's nothing that I haven't heard, but it's, you know, the ways that we hide ourselves and just being like, you can wear short sleeves. 
You can show your knees. You can wear a crop top if you want. You can put your hair back. You can, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can do that because you've got an incredible body that does amazing body things. So that's the whole other part of my work, right? Is really working with women's body shame. Yeah. And it's massive. It is big, big, big work. And it's sort of this interesting thing. And so I think the way that I work with women and bodies is twofold. So one is within the, so when we are looking to get dressed and we look in the mirror and we go, oh, gross, disgusting or whatever, my wish, my this were more this, or my that was more this. If only I lost five pounds, 10 pounds, 15 pounds, one pound, gain, whatever. There's always something, right? So often what we're looking to do is to bring ourselves closer to the ideal, right? And so we, when you close your eyes and you imagine what is the perfect body, what does that perfect body look like? It's so often a tall, thin, white able-bodied, straight woman, right? And so it's an inequitable system. And this is the paradigm that we mostly live within. We can't all be happy if happiness only goes to the people that sit closer to the top or closest to to that ideal, right? So with, and that's the like, if only I looked taller, if only I were thinner, if only my boobs were bigger, if only my butt was smaller, if only my belly were flat. These are, these are the standards and we want to get dressed in a way that brings us closer to those standards. We want to look in the mirror and see more of that, right? So part of what I do is work with women. So it's like this, I do two things that fight against each other. And so it's, it can be a little tricky to say, (laughs) okay, so you're looking in the mirror and all you see are boobs. Okay. Let's play with your balance. Let's bring some balance to the bottom half of your body. Let's change the line on the top and let's bring everything into balance so you can look in the mirror and go, there she is, right? Oh yeah, this feels good. Or you look in the mirror and you just feel hippie, but hips, hips and butts, right? It's like, great. That's what you're feeling and it's overwhelming and you can't see the rest of yourself and you feel self-conscious and ashamed. Let's play with the balance a little bit. Let's bring a little bit of movement here. Let's puff things up here. Let's change the line here. Done, done, done. Couple little tweaks, changes everything. And then you can look in the mirror and go, yes, this is good. And with an acknowledgement that we are operating within a paradigm that says this is the correct body and this is the not correct body. So as long as we're clear, once you hit that and you see the satisfaction, what you've said is, I believe that there is a, a hierarchy of better bodies and worse bodies, and I'm trying to climb higher up the ladder. I'm trying to make my way. So now I'm in balance and so there's this understanding and awareness of the paradigm, and this is the cultural paradigm, so it's hard to ignore it, right? right? Because it is the dominant voice. It is the whispers, the messaging, the headline. The It surrounds us. We're swimming in it all the time. So there's one, this recognition of the paradigm, and we're going to work it. We're going to play the paradigm a little bit. And then on the back end, I'm also saying, and the paradigm is bullshit. Yes. It is total bullshit. Yeah. 
total bullshit. And I often like to think of it as like this tightrope. So if you're feeling so ashamed that you don't want to go to the holiday party, or you are so ashamed that you can't go to your so-and-so's wedding because your dress doesn't fit, then let's sit in the paradigm. We got to get you out of the house today. So let's work your balance. Let's shift the lines a little bit so you can look in the mirror, feel good about yourself and get out the door. Great, done, let's do it. And at the same time, we're going to develop a practice of what it means to appreciate and love your today body for being a body and really learning and beginning to retrain our brain to understand that our body's job is not to be thin, tall, with the perfect boobs, with a long neck. Right. So it's, it's, it's yeah. like and both, which is really hard. So in one breath, it's okay, we got to get you out the door. Here's what we're going to do today. But let's remember that your body is not the problem. The culture is. Yes. Right? And so as you're working, one, you're built, because we can't just jump ship into this other paradigm where your body is a good body that does good body things and deserves to be adored and celebrated just for being a body. We can't jump to that paradigm until we've built the infrastructure to jump into that paradigm. This infrastructure with the hierarchy, that's already been built. That was built generations before we were born. But we've got to start building the infrastructure for the other one while we're working the system over here. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me. Well, and and I think part of the reason I was kind of giggling about it is, I mean, my body height wise is four foot ten, so <laughs> I feel like I have always understood this yeah. this kind of like I I lovingly don't fit into the tall part already. Like yeah. never have have always been the tiniest, shortest one in the class. Yeah, you know, even really high heels. <laughs> Forget yeah. it. I'm five foot two, maybe. <laughs> So then, yeah, it's like accepting, okay, this is where we are, and then finding the way to find clothes that then live into how I want to feel has been really interesting to me. I don't think that I feel shame for being short, like Mm -hmm. that doesn't resonate, but I'm sure there's parts of it where, you know, some fashion, eh, it just doesn't work, but I've tried it. I don't know. I I should dig deeper on on all that part. But yeah, I, I get it exactly where... Society has these rules, and as long as we understand that the rules, we have to play within them, but then knowing they're there and realizing they're bullshit, we can also embrace who we are and what we look like and and then play with those rules. And it's really being intentional about creating a new paradigm where we just value our bodies for being bodies because yeah. they do lots of cool stuff without us telling them what to do. It's pretty amazing. Yes. It's pretty amazing. It is. Right? Yeah. And, we, and so the original paradigm that we mostly live in is a paradigm of objectification. It's not a paradigm of love. And we tweak the lines and we lose a couple pounds and we do whatever. And we go, oh, now I love my body. No, now you've objectified your body to a point where it feels really good. But the second something goes wrong, where's that love going to go? It's going to be looking for the blame or the like, oh, you know, well, it's because I, I gained a pound or... Right. And then but look big in that outfit or yeah, right. whatever it so is. Short-lived. So that's not really love. That's objectification. Mm, um, yeah. So to really build a loving relationship with your body requires you to be loving toward your body. And yes. so that's a huge part of my work. And so it's this 
it's these two things of the inside out congruency, the courage, the bravery, the gumption, like all of that, and then really being able to navigate shame and blame. They're huge. And Mm -hmm. what's cool is we're doing and then getting dressed is super fun. So that's yes, it thing. Is. It's kind of like the programs that I teach, the primary thing that I've been teaching for a long time is style school, but whether it be style school, the revolution, which you're in now, wow, the where our word workshop, which is coming up in January, they're all fun, right? We're like, let's listen to some fun music and get dressed to the music until it, we connect to the feelings that it makes us feel, or let's play with color. What is pink feel like today. So we lead with curiosity and wonder. I wonder what would happen if I tried this. Low stakes, right? And then we do a lot of play. Let's just wear five necklaces today. What? Yeah, let's just try. What do we have to lose? Pattern? How about three? Not enough? Let's try five all at the same time. I don't care if they match. Just see what happens. There's this energy of just play. And when you're doing that in community, it's really, really fun. It really is. Because I feel like there were so many interesting conversations of how how those things that maybe, you know, society would say don't work together, like multiple different patterns. Or uh, one time I literally did wear camo leggings and a sequin jacket and went ice skating. And I know that there were teenagers there going, what is that woman doing? Like, what is this? And I was like, I rock. And like to be able to share that and like have other people in a community say, that's amazing. Like, I can't believe you did it. And that's amazing. Then it encourages you to try the next bold thing, whether or not the the camo leggings and the sequins are going to be worn again. I realized those camo leggings were not my friend and they were not fitting me well. But so, the, so they've been lovingly it released. Because you tried. It's not about getting it. It's not about. Oh, no. It's just about being gutsy enough to try something new. Yes. Right? So true. I've done so many things and like that did not work. Every time I take a step, my dress got all hooked up in my crotch. It's about trying and then having it maybe not work and not hating your, oh, I'm such a disaster. I can't do this. I wasn't right. born for this. Those teenagers maybe. were staring at me. Well, yeah, maybe. They were probably delighted by me. <laughs> There's so much growth that can happen when we begin to turn toward ourselves with tenderness yeah. and kindness and really knowing that self-love is an action. And there are so many beautiful little things that we can do to ourselves, for ourselves that make us feel good. And I think that community part that, you know, you were just referencing too, when you're like, I could never wear three patterns together, that just wouldn't work. And then four people come into the group wearing five patterns and you're like, holy crap, it's possible. And then they- it works. Like seeing people play and you're like, look at, like that is actually amazing. Like I I could try that. It's inspiring when you see somebody come in and they were like, I was terrified to cuff my jeans, to tuck in my shirt. And then they do it and they come in and they're so proud. And then you cry because you're so proud of them because you knew what they had to do to get there. And then you're like, that was amazing. What am I going to do today? Right? And so then the the bar just keeps being raised all over the place in this really – and so let's also acknowledge when you put a group of women together in a room that are encouraging each other – And have scissors. (laughs) Can just be like, you don't like it? Cut it. Right. Cut it off. And they're not competing with each other. Yeah. And that is so refreshing. 
There's no competition. So there's two things that are not allowed in, in any of my sisterhoods. It's commiseration. We don't commiserate. Oh, my arms. Can you believe my arms? No, no, we don't. We don't do. We don't do community commiseration. We don't do community competition like that. It's really, I see you. And that was really brave. And I'm really proud of you. Or here's what I want to do, but I'm afraid. You know what? I believe in you. Mm -hmm. Just try. We've got your back. Whatever emotions you feel after you try, it's okay. Feel them. I believe you are strong enough to feel the feelings that are going to come up. And then if you're having a struggle, you come right back to the sisterhood and we're going to, we're going to light you up so that you remember what you're capable of. So it's having those, those people that, cause it can be embarrassing to be like, I wore red lipstick and I was so afraid it practically gave me a panic attack. Like you don't, it'd be hard to have those conversations unless it's within a community where like, these are the conversations we're actually willing to have. And we're not going to make fun of or tease what your brave thing is because it's all different for everybody. Yeah, You know, a woman could be comfortable wearing a bikini, but putting her hair in a top knot sends her into a tailspin, right? It's all different for everyone. So it's just that honoring and the recognition of whatever is hard for you. I believe you. It's not your fault. How can we support you? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that very much about the community. And it does translate to other places in your life. Obviously, once you can accept these things about yourself and you're open to accepting things and as they are with other people, it's the inside out congruency then kind of spills over like to my workspace. I just decided to take up half the the kitchen because why not? That's right. (laughs) It's open space. But like, I, I, and I feel like I am more accepting of other people and what it is that they're trying and, and just letting their their struggles or whatever's hard for them be hard for them. Like, I don't have to fix it. I don't have to change it. I could just, I see you. I see you. And well, I know it's hard. Like, yeah. The more we can see ourselves and our own dynamism and complexity and the good parts and the not good parts, the parts that are hard to look at, and we can sort of sit in that and still like ourselves, we are a heck of a lot less judgy less mm-hmm. critical, less, who does she think she, oh, I was a classic. Somebody comes in looking gorgeous and me, who does she think she is? A classic. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Why? Because she had the guts to show up and I didn't, and I did not like it. And yeah. so now, because I'm gutsy enough to try, I see women and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to bump my card into hers because I want to be her friend because she just looks dynamic and she doesn't threaten me. She doesn't intimidate me. She doesn't scare me. So I can look at people doing brave and gutsy things with admiration and not try to tear them down to make me feel better. You know, or I can look at somebody and they do something that's a little bit unkind or not nice or maybe not something that I would do or a little that seems like they stepped out of their integrity and I can go, they're probably going through something right now. And I love them. And so not getting critical and judgy when people make mistakes or people step out of line or people say something and it came out of their mouth sideways because I'm a human too. I do those things too. And if I can be tender with myself when I make these massive mistakes, when I fall on my face, when I take these nosedives, then I can look at somebody else and go, I get it. 
I've said things that I regret too. I've said things and they came out of my mouth sideways and they were misinterpreted too. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's have a conversation, right? So it allows me to be a nicer person. Well, and I feel like that level of acceptance and the capacity to give someone the space to just be like, I I feel like that goes so far and that's so much of what we're missing and and people get so scared because they feel like they're going to be judged right away by everyone around them for this one thing. Yeah, Yeah, we do. We get judged harshly and we get judged quickly. And when that happens, my heart always goes to, man, we have a lot more work to do collectively as a society to embrace our own shortcomings with tenderness and forgiveness. Because when you can't accept your own, you can't accept anybody else's either. And you are going to call that shit out faster than fast. And so I think we've um, I think that's tricky. And there are, of course, some things that need to be held accountable when things are you know, ill-intentioned and shitty. But I think we can do a lot of it with a lot more kindness and tenderness and not criticism and sort yeah. of like dehumanization of other. I think that can be really dangerous. For sure. Yeah. And I think that rolls really nicely into regulation, which was one of the themes for this last month in the Revel you should. I love that you dove into regulation of oneself and realizing when people get triggered, what happens and and how we can actually notice that. Like we don't just have to be the person that dives right into the next emotion because we got pissed off at whatever the thing is, but like trusting our own wisdom to know, like, no, there's that gap moment. And that's probably what mindfulness mostly is, but that gap moment of realizing I am freaking pissed, mm-hmm. but then, or I I feel hurt or I feel whatever it is, a big emotion comes up. And what do we do next with it? I I don't know what about or how did you get to deciding that regulation should be one of the themes for a month? Well, I that one of my favorite things. So so just for it's a little clarity. So I do style school. That's five weeks. Ba-bam. Done, done, done. Right. Once you graduate from style school, there's this opportunity to join the revolution. And so revolution, and I'm just going to like make sure people understand, it's not revolution, it's revolution, R-E-V-E-L-Y-O-U. So you're, it's the, and T-I-O-N is the suffix meaning action, process, practice. So it's the action, process, practice of reveling in your own damn self. So that's what the revolution is, which is pretty revolutionary, if you ask me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So every month in RYT, which is what we call it for short, there is a theme and then something emerges and then it's the next thing. And then something emerges and it's the next thing. And so from all the work, as I started uh, the revolution and it's new, it's a new program for me. I just started it in March, April, and it's still small. I'm still figuring it out. My first run through and regulation was just something that was coming up for me a lot, was really paying attention. So so let's just start with a story. It was my birthday and it was like the first sunny day we had had. I live in Vermont and we had the rainiest, most cloudy, muggy, gray summer ever. I thought I was going to die from mildew in all of my cracks. It was terrible. It was just like, it was so bad. And I am a craver of sunshine. I Sunshine is just something that my body needs. And so it was my birthday and it was sunny. And it was like, this was September because it was raining the whole summer. And so we were at the beach and I was sitting with my husband and I was just like, enjoying the sun and my skin. And I was like, okay, I've got four months worth. And plus it was winter before that, which in Vermont lasts like 
eight months. So, you know, it's like, I just need to absorb the sun. And my husband said something and I got and with it. You know how this happens where you're just like, I'm just peaceful and everything's so great. And then he said something and within less than one second, I, (laughs) the anger that I had in my body, the, uh, he tr- there was a trigger or an activation, whatever you want to call it. And my body just went whoosh. And I <laughs> was so angry. And he had said this thing, like he was just, t- but it was like my body took it as a threat to its system. But it was so cool because I've been kind of thinking about this, reading about this, like paying attention to it for a long time. And then I was like, okay, I feel what's happening to my body. So I was able to observe myself which yeah. was really cool. And so I said to my husband, and he's just sitting there, and I was like, okay, so I just need to let you know that what you just said just sent off every alarm system in my body. And I'm saying this like really trying to be controlled about it. Right now, my heart is racing. I can hardly breathe. My body is having, a, it is in a threat response right now. And what I want to do is pick up a handful of sand throw it in your eyeballs and run away screaming. That's what I want to do right now. <laughs> I was very like, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> but I'm not going to because I can see that I'm triggered. I'm activated. My body is going through a fight or flight response right now. Yeah. I can't even have the clarity to know why, but I just need a minute. So I just sat there. I put my hands on my heart like intensively, like really, not just like lightly, but just like kind of like gripped my chest and just breathed and really was like, okay, body, we're safe. We're actually okay. And so I'm at the beach, I'm in the sun. So I just close my eyes and I listen to the ocean. I'm okay. I'm safe. The sun is shining. I'm at the beach with my family. My husband's actually not like a physical threat to me. He just said something that my body took as a massive like, and I just sat with it and was like, okay, we're just going to ride. We're going to ride the wave. We're going to ride the wave. And I just sat in my body, in my anger, recognizing that he said something that was threatening to my body. So there's a story, whatever thing is stuck inside my body, didn't even have the clarity of what it was, but my body knew what it was. And it was phenomenal to watch and not get caught up in it. And then it came to, and then I caught my body calmed down because I held my heart. I was able to calm my system. I was able to just pay attention to my breathing, feel where's the tension in my body. And it was all in my breath and my chest and just be with it. Like really be with it. And then it can't, you're you're safe, Stacia, you're fine, you're safe, your body's safe. So just reminding my body that it was safe and it wasn't actually under threat to bring my body down, then it's gone. So it's not stuck inside my body. I didn't run away ragey. I let the whole thing cycle its way through until I knew I was safe and could come back down. I was able to observe it. And I also like kudos to my husband for me being like, I want to throw sand in your eyes. And him being like, okay, okay. I can sit with that too. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I need you just to sit with this right now. So I did. I I need you just to sit with this right now. Like I was so, but I was so proud of myself, Paula, 
because I was able to observe it. I was able to say, here's what my body wants to do. And here's what I need you to do right now. Because so often in those spaces and places, we're out of control. So I was angry, but I was totally in control of my anger. And I was be and I was able to communicate, here's what I need you to do. And because my husband and I have been so intensively working on love is an action, he was able to sit with me as I was going through this without being like, well, you're being, you know what I mean? The thing that we can do that we Mm -hmm. did for a long time. And then when it was done, I said, okay, so I think what, because once we're in that place, our prefrontal cortex is offline. So the thinking part of the brain that could say to him, I'm really hurt by the fact that you said that, that part of my brain wasn't functioning. It was broken. (laughs) It wasn't working because my body was in a different response phase. So once I was able to get back to safety, I could say, okay, I know what happened. When you said this, it reminded me of this. It reminded me, it didn't even remind me cognitively. My body remembered. Wow. My body remembered this body of mine, this one and only body that I have is doing everything it can to protect me, right? So this comes with my, like, change your pants, change your life, start to learn, like, your body is not a problem, your body is a good butt. So you do all this, this work that I do in style school that teaches me to trust my body, to build a relationship with my body, to not throw my body constantly onto this hierarchy of my value of my body is based on how thin and smooth it is. But I'm able to shift into this paradigm that my body is a good body that does good body things. That was a good body thing, Hmm. right? Yeah. My body was holding onto a story to a memory and I was able to take that and then have a conversation about it and then heal it. We came to an understanding. He goes, oh, I can see how that would respond. That makes sense to me. I'm sorry. And then we have this beautiful moment together. The whole thing lasts like 25 minutes where in the olden days of being Stacia that I would just like run away, throw sand. And that would have been a five-day fight that we never reconnected after. Unless we did it superficially and just shove it under the rug a little bit. We're just going to move on. But this was like, we took it from the beginning all the way to the end to the point where both in tears saying, we're amazing. We just did this together. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so proud of you for being able to sit in that space with me. And he was like, I'm so proud of you for being able to communicate with me. And so this was like, I need to learn more about whatever I just did was a little bit like magic. (laughs) I got to start, like I kind of did it without knowing what I was doing. And so then I was like, I want to be really good at this because that's the first time I've ever been able to do it in that way in a time when my body was just ready to rage. And so that's when I was so much of what we do in RYT is like, what's going on for Stacia that she needs to work on? That's what we do. It's all part of the humaning thing. And it's whatever I feel like I need to work on. And what's amazing, it's kind of like when you're in a group of women and you all have your period at the same time. You know how that works? When you're with a group of women and one person is going, you're kind of on the same growth trajectory. And because we work together month to month, we're often 
moving into the next thing together. So I go, you guys, next month we're doing self-regulation and everybody's like, how Thank do you goodness. Know what I needed, right? It's so yeah. funny. And yeah. it's like this synergy that happens where whatever I decide is the next right thing happens to be everybody else's next right thing most of the time. But it's because we just did this other thing and then that set us up for this thing, which set us up for this thing, which set us up for this thing. So it's pretty awesome. It really is. Yeah. It's really well, amazing. So that's where the whole thing of self-regulation came from was really being able to two parts. One, understand. Two, so I think of it as two parts when it comes to self-regulation. One, I think collectively we're pretty wired right now. We're pretty jacked up on a sure. because it's been a scary, weird couple of years between the politics the sort of racial reckoning, the COVID and all the personal stuff we're going, I think we're pretty maxed out. Our capacity is pretty maxed out and hard things keep happening to the point where we're like, I can't take one more thing. Guess Mm -hmm. what? You don't have a choice. Yes, exactly. You don't have a choice. So here, well, you do have a choice. You can collapse or you can build your capacity to be able to navigate and carry more hard things because the hard things are coming more hard things. And so we have a choice. So, so much of the self-regulation month was about building capacity. So if I have a 12 ounce cup and and I keep pouring water and it overflows, I can stay there. I can say, I need a bucket. And so part of self-regulation is getting yourself a bucket when you've been operating out of a Dixie cup. Capacity, one. And then two, when you do overflow, which inevitably is going to happen, excuse me, how do you bring yourself back down? What, what do you know works for you? What are the tips and what are the, what, how well do you know yourself to know what keeps you, what builds your capacity, what builds your bucket? So step one, and then two, when the bucket overflows, how do you stop the flow and get yourself back contained? And so for me, that's what the whole month was about was two part was these two things. And so some of the exercises we did was like, this week is all about being the bravest you've ever been because being brave is a practice in discomfort. And so we did a week of just doing like really brave things. And the intention of that is build capacity. If I do this brave thing, I go, oh, it's one more thing I didn't think I could handle. And I can because we do it in a small, controlled way that doesn't freak our systems out. So it's able to build and not collapse the system. And then the second part is, okay, then what do I, what can I do to regulate my body? What part of my body do I need to hold on to? Where do I carry my tension and stress? How do I sit with that part of my body? What can I wear to support my body? I carry my tension in my neck great. When it's, I need to wear soft scarves, cashmere around my neck, earrings that tickle my neck that remind me to pay attention to that part of my body. So we use our closets to support our bodies in this way. It's pretty clever. Don't you think? (laughs) I love it. Well, and I think the timing of regulation, it also, you know, ties in here with intentional comfort in, in a way, because I feel like it acknowledges the choice that we have in those moments of realizing, like, am I going to choose here to, to run with love or fear in moments that were triggered or activated and feel like, ah, what do I do next? And and if you just slow down for a moment and choose love, <laughs> choose intentional, I mean, it could just be that you're like, no, I don't care to go into the pattern where 
two people are fighting or I don't care to go into the pattern where I'm just feeding anger or whatever it is. I want something different. And, and I think it was like really well-timed and I loved it so much. And yes, super clever. But the clothes can remind you like, yeah. oh, I feel like I need a hug. A really big, heavy sweatshirt would be a lovely thing today. Or I want to delight people and show them joy. How do I do that? Maybe I wear something bright and, and mm -hmm. colorful. And So let's talk about where our word, which I think is so fascinating. And, and I mean, I want to say fun, but also I'm, I'm sure it can also become very difficult just knowing working with even the word joy for seven years. Like when you start to work with a word, it doesn't always, it's not always the happy, easy stuff. <laughs> even if you pick one of the words, that's a high vibe thing. So how does where you, where, let me start that over. How does where our word work and what do you kind of do with this program? Mm -hmm. So I, I taught it last year for the first time. So for years, I've been doing these little things for style school alum, like a little, I called them two week tune-ups. I do alliteration. It's like my thanks Stacia style school where our word, a word of the year workshop. So I do a lot of blah, 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 <laughs> all the repeating sounds. But last year was the first year that I did wow for like a lot of people. So it was like an auditorium. It was like 600 people in the workshop and it was really fun. It was so fun. So the whole idea is to pick a word of the year. And what a word of the year is, it's your intention for the year. And I, I, because resolutions are a, a scam as far as I'm concerned. I think they're a scam mm -hmm. because most of them, and I had written a newsletter about this recently, like the top three, are, they always have to do with your body. The top three every year, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym more. And I'm going to change my diet. Every year for like a century, I went back and looked in like the records of like, what were the top three New Year's resolutions in 1972? Lose weight, go to the gym, eat healthy. And I was like, wait a minute, if that actually worked, would they be the same top three? For like 75 years in a row, probably not. It's a scam. You know, when you pick a word, it's something that you practice intentionally, right? So if you want to feel a certain way in your body and you think losing weight is going to get you there, go to the feeling. What is the feeling that you want to feel that you think you need to do this thing to get to the feeling that you want to feel? Because there are a million ways to cultivate a feeling and they don't all have to be two hours a day at the gym, seven days a week. And if you miss a day, you're a failure, right? Like that's a system that's right. designed for you to fail so that you keep coming back year after year after year. It is a multi-billion dollar industry that we have bought hook, line, and sinker. It's unbelievable. Anyway, when you pick a word... I get really fired up about it. It's so, but it's so appropriate. I mean, like, yeah, I love the point that like, if this was working and these resolutions made the difference, like, well, then we'd be done. Like next year, we'd have to figure out some new world problem to figure out. Like, yeah, they don't work. And it's by design. Yeah. It is by design, right? They are designed to fail. So we keep handing over our money. Anyway. So when you pick a word, it's something you practice for a year. It becomes the lens through which you see everything. This is my eighth year picking a word of the year. And I remember, so I'll just tell like another quick story because I see we're running out of time. My first word of the year was value. And so just to go to like what you think it's going to be is not always what it ends up being. My first word of the year was value. And really it was, I want to make more money. That was my resolution, make more money. But I chose value because I was going to try out this word of the year thing. But really what it meant was make money. 
So this is the year, this is what happens. And this is the year that I quit my job to start my business. I had a brand new baby because he's not, he's eight now. So this was like the time he was, we had a baby. We had a contractor. So the room that I'm sitting in upstairs, we had a contract to come put a dormer on our house. He apparently was unskilled and he broke our house. So we oh, had no. paid him all this money. He walked off the job. We sued him. He had no, he hadn't paid his taxes in 25 years. So the IRS was after him. He hadn't paid his child support. It was a disaster. We had to put $40,000 to fix our house before it collapsed. I am not shitting you on a visa because we had spent every penny we had to get this renovation done. Oh my word. All of our savings that we had been saving for, because we had the second kid, we had a two bedroom house. We wanted to put on a dorm and build a third bedroom. It's expensive. We had to have the job redone, sued him, won, never saw a penny. $40,000. I had just quit my job to become an entrepreneur. My word of the year was value because I wanted to make more money. So here we are. Something that I have never carried a $10 balance on my visa. Never. I have never carried a balance on my credit card. And now we're paying $1,800 a month in interest. It was insane. It was terrible. And then we had two cars. We had a Ford Focus station wagon and we had a Toyota Corolla. We let our friend borrow the Corolla. She totaled it. And we thought we had full insurance. We did not. Somehow my husband had bunged that up. So we lost a car. And then our our Ford Focus blew six alternators, caught on fire. We'd keep getting it fixed, bring it back to the shop because we had no money to buy a car. So we kept getting it fixed. We ha- One time we're driving down, the lug nut sheared off and our tire went flying down and we're swerving down the road with the kids in the car. The car caught on fire one time. The alternator broke down always when... Six times, our dishwasher broke, our lawnmower broke, our snowblower broke, our oven broke. We ended the year in so much debt. It was unbelievable. But do you know what? Every single time this happened, I would say to myself, I have have value. And what I had done and what that year taught me, and I don't think I would have learned this any other way, if I had made a little bit of money, I would have never learned the lesson. Because what I learned was that my value was inextricably linked to the amount of money I had in my bank account. I grew up poor and it was a shame that I carried my whole life. And so the more I went in the hole, the more I said, I have value, I have value, I have value. So at the end of the year, we are over $40,000 in credit card debt. And I felt more value than I ever had in my entire life. Mm. Yeah. So the word worked, not in the way that I thought it was going to work. Yeah. It it reminds me, I picked, I think it was build in 2020 and discovered that build meant you have to tear it all down to build. <laughs> so like there's that like, you know, not me anymore that anyone else had to tear yeah. everything down in 2020. And it was a very similar experience in the dance with that word of, it was like, Okay, well, then the building is like building me back up, building relationships back up, building trust with people. Like there was so much building going on that I just didn't, I thought it meant I was building a business Mm, similar to like what you said about value. Like, yeah, unreal. So yeah, I think get ready for the dance with whatever word you're choosing. 
it has an idea of its own. Every year it's so different, but when it becomes the lens, what it teaches you and the, because it's the lens that you yeah. see everything, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this past year, my word was trust. The year before it was disrupt, but every, everything that happens, I would go trust in this situation. What does trust mean? And then I go, oh my God, I never even thought of that. Right. And then I'd be annoyed that I had a word that was like so pushy and, but the amount of growth that happens when you filter your life's experiences through a word is powerful. What usually happens is that people pick a word of the year because this is wicked funny to me. And then in January 27th, I'm like, what's your word? And they're like, I don't remember. I had right. one, wicked good. But by, by the end of January, people have already forgotten their word. So what the hell, why pick a word? You might as well pick a resolution and buy into that scam too. So for me, what I do at the start of it, usually at the end of a year, at the start of the year, like that transition time, I wear my word. I figure out what color my word is. What color is my word? Feel like, what's the texture? What's the silhouette? What are the combinations that I'm going to put together? What kind of earrings do I want to wear that are going to connect me to that feeling? So I intensively go into it to be like, I want to know what it looks like, what it feels like, because I want to connect it every day so I don't forget what it is. Because what I always say is my word is my work, right? Yeah. It's not just this fantastical little thing that I do. This is the thing that it's going to get my teeth dirty and my finger dirt under my fingernails all year long, right? And so I do this. I just was in Joshua Tree. I live in Vermont. I flew out to Joshua Tree because I was like, that's what my my next word is. It, it lives in Joshua Tree. And so I went out, got a photographer. We went out to New York, to Joshua Tree and I did a photo shoot there. And I awkwardly moved my body. Like I felt like I was Elaine dancing in the Seinfeld. Do you remember with the thumbs? Yes. That was oh my me. goodness. Like, I need to know what my word feels like. And I want to capture it in a photograph, like in a series of photographs, because mm. I want to plaster it. I want it on my phone. I want it on my screensaver. I want to post a picture of it so that I can fully, because I got to know what it feels like inside my body. How do I move my body to feel my word? So I just did a photo shoot. I know like my word for 2022 is light pink, burnt orange, white, and mustard yellow. Those are my colors right now. So then when I go shopping, I just go pink, mustard, orange, white. That's what I shop for. I bring in two or three new things, add them to my small closet that I have already. And all of a sudden, my entire closet now matches my word. I didn't buy a new wardrobe. That's wasteful. I'm not going to do that. But if I buy a pink scarf, I can wear that with everything and I have an automatic connection to my scarf. So that's mm -hmm. my scarf that's representative of my word. So every time I grab it, I'm grabbing my word. I'm wrapping it around me. When I put on that jacket, I'm putting that jacket around my shoulders. I'm putting my word around my shoulders so that I wear it and I carry it with me the whole year because I intend to live my life fully and I'm going to step into the growth opportunities when they arise but I have to remember. And so I make it so I don't forget. So that's what wow is all about is really like embodying your word and keeping it super close so that you can stay committed to it for the whole year. And then you just can't even believe what happens when you do that. <laughs>
It's your life changes. It's crazy. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, now I've got idea. I think my my word is is somewhere in rest, ease, relax. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in that because I'm usually one of those I don't know go get them types. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like I am tired, so let's mm-hmm. you know like intentionally. How do I ease? So I'm gonna have to think about that. In 2018, ease was my word. Mm. It was a good word, and I had a lot of colors. For me, it was like dusty colors. Dusty pink, dusty rose, dusty peach. That was really like dusty, 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 really Mm. like calm colors. And the year before it was play and I was like polka dots, fuchsia. So my, like I was able to, everything shifted. Sure. When my word shifted and it was really cool to be able to take my play closet and turn it into my ease closet by switching out a few things and making different combos. Super fun. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting seafoam green vibes. So mm-hmm. we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I'm going to spend some time with this and I, I can't wait to see where it goes and where if somebody's like, oh my gosh, sign me up. Where do they go to find more about you or about where your word or any of these, any of your amazing mm-hmm. programs? So you can find me on Instagram under Stacia Savasic. I'm also on Facebook, Stacia Savasic, and then on at my website, stachiasavasic.com. And then if you type in my name, you'll also get my TED Talk, which gives a full, really deeper picture of inside-out congruency too. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll link to all of those and our last conversation too, mm. the last time you were on, because you gave more of your background there, which I, oh, so, the whole thing is so amazing. Well, before you go, would you like to share three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or other people's lives? I was thinking about this and I was like, I wonder what I said last time. And I don't remember either. <laughs> And so the thing that comes to me, well, it's the same thing three times, get outside, get outside, get outside. I feel like being outside in the nature is Mm. just one of the most healing, beautiful spaces. I have the most wonderful connections with people when I'm outside on a hike, on a trail, just doesn't have to be intense on a walk. But I find that being outside, because we're lighter when we're outside, we're attuned to the wind and the rhythms and the, you know, like there's a different kind of attunement that happens when we're in nature that naturally calms our body down. So we're less defensive, less quick, and we're more joyous, I find in general. And so I would say, get outside, get outside, get outside. (laughs) I love it so much. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, and it, so it's that's such an important piece for me is is the because you're moving your body, you're moving the stress through your body, so you're like metabolizing your stress. There's so much good that comes from like active movement outside, and this doesn't mean marathons; it means taking a stroll through the park. Thank you so much for coming back and and for sharing all the delight with us. I just thank you so much. You're welcome, Paula. Thank you. Stacia, thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing all of this insight with us. I just love your energy and I love getting to talk to you about this because your angle is so refreshing and new. So if you're excited about joining Stacia for the Wear Our Word workshop, which runs two weeks in January of 2022, all you need to do is get on the wait list for early bird registration. The course will be just $49 for two weeks. And if you click through to the show notes for this episode, you'll be able to find a link that you can click to get onto the wait list. That'll be both in your podcasting app or if you head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. 
So if you register on Friday or over the weekend, it's just $49. If you wait until Monday, it goes up to $69. And she says that there'll be gift certificates available for this. So if you're thinking of like, maybe you want to have a friend or whatever join you for this class, I think it'd be a lot of fun and you could buy one for somebody else and give it as a gift. So that's all the information about Wear Our Word. I will also put all of the links to Stacia's site, her Instagram, her TED Talk, which was also about inside out congruency, and the last time that she was on Jumpstart Your Joy. That'll all be in the episode notes as well. So thank you so much for coming on, Stacia. So as we're rounding out the year, what to expect here on Jumpstart Your Joy for the rest of this year, next week is going to be an episode about gathering and what we can learn from Priya Parker's four steps of gathering and how we can apply that to ourselves for more intentional comfort during the holiday season. I hope you'll tune in. I really loved learning more about what Priya Parker has to say about gathering. Of course, that's been all the rage back in this last year, so it's a lot of fun to talk about it, but how can we apply that to ourselves? So that's next week, and there'll be another solo cast in that last week of the year as well. So I want to say thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you'll come on back for next week when we talk about gathering, and until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.